Homestyle Green, episode 178, Cutting Edge Craftsmanship. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. And this week on the show, I've got an interview I had with Ted Benson, who's an inspirational guy. He's written four books on the topic of timber frame construction, but he's also created just recently a super modern factory using prefabrication and CNC machines to deliver really high performing homes uh, at low cost but really high quality. So I really like the the crossover between absolute craftsmanship and and uh, their, their facility, their facility, old facility looks amazing. The guys using mallets and chisels and, and rediscovering quite old art of um, f- forming big timber posts and beams and joints combined with really modern technology to produce high performance homes. Now through his books and through his work, Ted has sort of rediscovered timber framing in the US. And I started out by asking him what led to the demise of kind of craftsmanship, but specifically the demise of timber frame construction in the first place. Well, historically, um, the the explanations have have a lot to do with uh, the rapid push westward in the early 1800s. And you know the need to uh, build essentially whole towns um, in short periods of time, mm-hmm. and uh, and so historians sort of attribute that need for um, a, a large number of buildings in a small period of time is a reason why uh, kind of the slower forms of building uh, traditional timber framing, in particular, uh, became. Uh, fundamentally uh, difficult to achieve under those conditions, yeah. and so in in many of the uh, the booming towns of the early West, um, you know, uh, rude shelter essentially went up overnight, and uh, and that was the birth of <laughs> you know a worse form of building that then became a, a standard. Explain uh, for those that haven't seen the images, and I'll definitely link to some of the amazing resources you've got. What's the difference between timber framing and stud framing, or what you've also referred to as platform framing? Um, a tradi- the traditional uh, timber frame structure is a large section of a structure. Um, typically, uh, a timber frame for a barn or a house or a town hall would have members that are, uh, for instance, eight by eight or eight by ten or eight by twelve uh, for columns and beams and and uh, floor. So we're talking. In, in, I'd have to convert inches, that to metric. Yes, <laughs> but that's big. It's big. Um, and and uh, crafted by hand. Um, kind of the the closest rectilinear member to you know to the tree um, with wooden joinery uh, making the connections and uh, and so that form of of construction was dominant you know from the Middle Ages uh, literally 
until the early 1800s, the mid 1800s, when it started to be supplanted by stick frame or um, balloon frame uh, construction. And as you said, the need was speed, right? That doing that handcrafted joinery with big solid members is just too slow. And required too much skill. Right, right. <laughs> so, so you you had to have uh, skill and knowledge and training, um, you know, to execute a good quality traditional uh, timber frame structure. And those those guys, you know, and they were guys, uh, yeah. were in short supply uh, when when uh, our country pushed westward in the early 1800s and and uh, founded whole new towns and, you know, across the Midwest and into the West. In one of your books, you, you commented that you uh, you feel that America was a little bit unique in that America construction went that way, whereas uh, Europe and, and Japan, you, you cite quite a lot, uh, maintain some of that um, timber framing, which... I find I find kind of interesting because in I mean, Australia and New Zealand we're only really two hundred years old in terms of construction, but <laughs> I, we've never really known timber timber framing here. I think we've just jumped straight into that that poorer quality, and that's definitely the norm that we see here is is, is just stick framing. That's really what all that people know, apart from the odd town hall or something which looks very European in nature. Do you still see uh, from your travels that America's kind of unique in that regard? Well, unique in having been founded on the basis of, you know, the the better forms of traditional timber framing, mm. you know, from from the 1600s to the the middle 1800s, it it you know, it created our country. Mm. Uh, so, so where I live in New Hampshire, which is north of Massachusetts, um, still, you know, many of the towns in in the area where I live are defined by the traditional older forms of of building. You know, from the uh, 17 and 1800s, and uh, and so it's still, you know, we still see it and experience it every day, but. But I think what's unique is, you know, we went through a transition where we we literally dropped, you know, this wonderful, sustainable, beautiful, durable form of construction and mm. replaced it with a method that had the advantage of being faster and cheaper, mm -hmm. and that's good. But but it was also, you know, allowed us to get into uh, some compromises that weren't so good. Uh, yeah. Less sustainable, um, less durable, less flexible, um, and uh, and so we, you know we've paid a price for for that as well. Mm. And as you say, by the nineteen well, around nineteen twenties, I think you you say that that the skill was pretty much gone, and and that it would lost that heritage of of those skilled craftsmen. Yeah. So when when we picked picked it up and decided to revive uh, traditional forms of timber framing in the early uh, 1970s, there was literally nobody to learn from. Yeah. Um, so you, you we, had to, you had we, to rewrite the book. 
we 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 searched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, but you know the old masters left us a lot of good instructions in, in the old buildings, and and so it was not so difficult to study the buildings for. Uh, standards and tolerances and even tooling, yeah. you know, we could learn by uh, investigating the old buildings. I love but a the, really, yeah, a, a really interesting thing happened with us that we we were learning in that way from the 1974, you know, to 1984, and and doing pretty well. Um, uh, where we were mastering our our craft step by step mm, and mm. Um, being careful about it, but in 1985, a Japanese temple builder joined us uh, for a year, and he he uh, was past his apprenticeship, um, almost 30 years old at the time, and so he had been apprenticing um, under masters in Japan for 15 years when he joined us. So we were all of a sudden learning from the person who had learned from the person, you know, going back uh, two centuries. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, and so for the first time we actually found, you know, that master of timber framing. It just happened that he wasn't from our country. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a, is a, is a nice circle because you cite, Japanese architecture alongside old English architecture in some of your, I think you, your first book you wrote in 1970, yeah. was it 70s? That, that you, the, you 1979, wrote. yeah. And, and that history, you, you've got a really nice diagram there of side by side that the Japanese architecture, which must have evolved completely separately from the old English frames, but there's certainly similarities there. Well, the similarities are in the precision of the craft, in the tools, and in the understanding of wooden joinery and how to, you know, make strong connections. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, you know, the real craft of traditional timber framing is all about connections. Yeah, the, yeah. In, yeah, yeah. And and by the that engine. by that you mean actually crafting a joint where two big solid pieces of wood fit together. And and hold the weight without the need for without the need for metal really because you use um, wooden wooden pegs to to hold it together but it's really the shape of that join right that that is the structure yeah yep and and uh, they're you know fundamental elements of those joints and you know it's typically mortises yeah that are the slots and yeah. tenons that are the projections and wooden dowels or pegs or trunnels mm. that uh, secure the connection. Mm. I could talk all day about the, the beauty of those types of joints, but I want to I want to leap forward basically to today. Firstly, we have some similarities between what you described as that push for lots of houses quickly. We see that all around the world right now: <clears throat> housing affordability, undersupply. What are the parallels there between what had happened and what led to the demise of of this craft to to what we see now? And and can we learn from that past to do something better with the the demands on the building industry today? Well, what we what we definitely can learn from the past is that at at one time, you know, in 
in the evolution of the building uh, industry throughout the world, uh, you know, it was well understood that, you know, the materials that go into a building are precious mm-hmm. and that the, the labor that creates the building is also precious and that the buildings that people live in, the buildings that define our civilization and who we are as a people deserve skills, training, and, you know, the best capabilities of the civilization at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, to me, that's a lot of what we've lost that we need to regain. It's not as if we have to go back to, you know, making wooden joints with, with a mallet and a chisel. But we do need to understand that, uh, you know, Buildings that house people, you know, whether collectively in public buildings or privately in homes, are are really, you know, sacred. They are, you know, the basis of people and humanity and civilization. As uh, Jacob Bernowski uh, said, you know, basically, you know, homes and buildings are the stock and root of civilization. And uh, and so should we take them seriously? Yes. Should we apply the best capabilities that we have at that time in civilization? Absolutely. And and I think what's unfortunate is that, you know, in many parts of the world, uh, U.S. is one and maybe Australia is another, we, we've taken it the other way mm. and decided that that, no, this is just rude shelter. Mm. You know, this is the this is the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, mm-hmm. and all all we need to do is make some rude form of protection from the elements, and that's a sufficient place for human beings to in- inhabit themselves. And uh, and you know how unfortunate uh, that we've gotten to that place where uh, we've dumbed it down um, to you know, a a base commodity instead of, you know, a chapel or a cathedral for the human spirit, which it can and should be. You placed a lot of emphasis. You summed it up nicely, I think, in one of your videos where you said uh, that we're underserved by homes when they become places of worry and fret. And and I see that a lot now. People are so anxious about uh, getting a home, a roof over their head in the first place, the mortgage. But then we we deal with huge sickness and ill health because of indoor air quality issues and um, decay of the houses. And you go on to say that houses should support highest aspiration and needs. And and you really have a focus at Bensonwood, it seems to me, about this quality of life, that it's not it's not about the materials or the design so much as what's going to what's what are those people going to do what's the purpose of the home and and, and how will they inhabit it where's that come from where's that, where's that philosophy come from because it, you're a builder yeah you know, there are other builders out there that are just happy to supply whatever what's made your journey different well one one f- um, fundamental thing that uh, has made my journey a little bit different is <clears throat> I'm the sixth of 11 children right <laughs> uh, right, right in the middle of the family yeah and uh, hard to get noticed and, there and, yeah and and for a while we lived you know our family of 13 lived in a very um, insecure poorly built 
um, building um, <clears throat> that made us, you know, made a family that was, um, you know, at the time um, financially poor. It made us spiritually poor. Mm -hmm. It made us feel poor. And, um, and it was a scary, you know, it was a very, very scary time um, that all my siblings, except the youngest ones, uh, remember uh, distinctly. Mm -hmm. And my, uh, my dad had the good fortune of discovering a building uh, in the central part. This was out in Colorado, in the central part of Colorado Springs, that was scheduled for demolition. And uh, he talked the builder into um, saving it, bought it for a dollar, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and had the building moved up the street uh, a mile and a half. Um, it was a pretty big building, so that was not an easy task. Um, and backed onto you know a foundation at the other end of town, and as a result, we all of a sudden, although it was pretty. Uh, um, in poor repair at the time it, you know, made that move up the street. Uh, but when we moved into it, it was comforting. It was uh -huh. beautiful. It was durable. It was, you know, it exuded craftsmanship and caring. And, you know, though it was built in 1895, wow. <clears throat> it was clear, you know, that it was a building that was um, built for the centuries, not, you know, for the short term. And what and, what what impact did that have on on you and your family? Um, you know, all of a sudden we didn't feel poor, <laughs> right? Right. For the sake and, of a dollar, and, you know, nothing nothing about our family changed, or the love of my parents, or mm -hmm. you know, the love between the siblings changed. But there was all of a sudden there was a building there that told us we mattered and that we mm. were important, and that there we had reasons to have some security. Mm -hmm. uh, the literal security against the elements, but yep. also security, um, you know, to find privacy and to know that, you know, if there was a storm outside, there wasn't a storm inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it gave us reason to, you know, dream and hope and, and to think that, you know, though we still didn't have a lot of, you know, financial um, means. Yeah. We we had the spiritual and intellectual means to do whatever we wanted with our lives, and and it it changed us entirely. So yeah. I had that experience, and and it is the reason why I'm a builder today because I know that homes matter. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They matter, you know, immensely in the lives of people, but they also matter you know, to communities and towns and, and, you know, to our country. And, and, you know, these are things that we should kind of know in our gut. Um, but somehow we have forgotten if I, I've spent a lot of time in Europe, um, in, uh, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, mm -hmm. Belgium, England, um, um, and in Northern Europe and Denmark and Sweden and Norway and and in other parts of the world, one thing you'll notice is that they they tend to think of of the housing stock of their country as a part of a determination of what kind of country they are. Mm -hmm. And and there's a lot of focus on on engaging with that making sure that the quality of it is going in the right direction for everybody, 
<laughs> you know, not just for those who can afford it. Yeah. And and uh, that's that's just you know a conversation that you don't hear that much in this country about how important it is to who we are as a people that our housing stock in general um, should be of of a piece, you know, of a national norm in terms of, of quality and not um, of one quality, you know, for people of wealth and of another quality yeah. for for people who uh, who have less means. Yeah. You have a lot of stuff going on at the moment and perhaps inspired by shifting your house a mile up the road, now you shift housing components 500 miles uh, with your with your what are your latest projects tell us a little yeah. bit about um tectonic and uh the work you're doing with both unity homes and and also module um well let's just back up a little bit and and uh let me say that as a part of of you know kind of reviving even the ancient form of timber framing mm -hmm. and bringing it to the 20th century and yeah. now the 21st century, um, we've we've applied the very best technology to our work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, beginning with software, of course, but also uh, tools, and we've invented tools to make you know the work more efficient, more accurate, um, and we've we've gone around the world uh, to find the the very best technology. So we have um, in our uh, factory here in Walpole, New Hampshire, mm -hmm. we have um, a six-axis um, robotic um, timber fabrication machine yep. uh, that can do almost anything yeah. you know that a human being can do, only faster and uh, you know a little more accurate. Yeah. And you know we have a team of craftsmen who can do everything even that machine can't do. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so by applying, you know, the very best technology, we can achieve things in terms of efficiency, accuracy, beauty, um, and, um, and sustainability mm -hmm. and, and human sustainability is a part of that, um, that, um, that, that allows us to, you know, take on large projects and, and um, you know, complicated projects, but also making better buildings more affordable for more people. Yep. So in Keene, New Hampshire, which is about 10 miles away, we have a world-class um, home building factory that has the best equipment from uh, Germany, uh, from Austria, from France, um, and even a few tools from the U.S. of A. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Support the locals. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but it's a world-class factory, allowing us to panelize, you know, really high-quality building assemblies, and using, you know, the human uh, skills and labor, you know, where they they are most appropriate, mm -hmm. but taking it away where also it's most appropriate. And yeah. so using those tools and that automation um, and the CNC, computer numerical control and cutting and shaping, um, we can make high quality, high performance buildings normal and, you know, 
the machines don't don't talk back. They have one, <laughs> you know, one kind of quality, and they don't can take do it sick all days. Day. <laughs> no sick days and and no rain days. Uh, and and it's you know it's it's really a wonderful thing. It's about time you know we as a as a building community um, use the best tools that we have in our in our uh, industry, but also in our civilization, and point it toward making buildings better. So that's what Bensonwood is about. Bensonwood is our uh, long-term company, mm -hmm. and we're focused on you know high-performance um, um, buildings of all types, yep. but also a lot of customization. Um, so this is where our R&D happens. Right. It's usually on the Bensonwood side. Um, we also have another company called Unity Homes. And Unity is focused on taking all of that technology and all those good building systems um, and a lot of uh, standardization and applying them to uh, the home building sector, making really high quality fossil fuel free yep. buildings, um, you know, with really good air quality and really good comfort levels to make that normal, um, you know, across the country. Yeah. And, and so Unity is kind of our product for everyone. Yep. And. And it's pointed, you know, just down into the market. We're we're just finding ever better ways and new ways to cut costs so that, um, you know, even more people can afford this quality of building. Of, of, of those, of I'll just uh, talk about uh, Unity just for a second. Of all those advantages around the comfort, the health, the quality, and the energy efficiency, are there any particular uh, attractions uh, that um, more popular. What what do most people come to you for? Look at what are they looking for? Is it is it one of those that stands out, or or do people want a bit of a all of that? Well, what, what's interesting, of course, is that we don't we don't offer a lower quality building, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, you know what what we're offering is this high performance, you know, really high quality. Um, net zero capable high performance uh, building uh, with really good you know air quality that we can control um, so you know that's kind of the ante into the game and and usually you know most of the clients who engage with us get past that real quick and the next thing they're talking about are the amenities features and program that that they want right however it's been really interesting that um, you know, there are more people out there we're discovering who have health issues mm -hmm. or respiratory issues mm. in their family or among people they know than probably are people, you know, probably the number of people who are focused, you know, number one on energy efficiency. So, so we've learned that many of our clients actually come to us for health reasons. Yeah, yeah, and they're making yeah. that link. They're saying, "I think this is yeah. my my house or where I'm living that's affecting my health." Yes. Yeah. Right. In, in fact, we've had uh, several uh, clients and prospective clients who've wanted to just be in our model building, just sit in there. Yeah. <laughs> 
to see <laughs> to recover <laughs> <laughs> to see if it would affect them. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, would that would would that affect their allergies yeah. or you know their respiratory issues? Um, now, sorry, I cut you off. You're just about to talk about tectonic because that's really exciting uh, uh, development. Yeah. So um, with this new uh, factory that we have, we also have. Uh, um, much more capacity mm -hmm. than we than we've we've ever had in the past, um, and uh, and so with that capacity, we decided to open up a new brand under Bensonwood mm -hmm. to essentially supply the building industry, other architects, builders, developers, our building components, our panelized walls, mm -hmm. floors, roof. And uh, and mechanical pods, um, so if they can incorporate our building systems into their designs, it's a it's another path for us to get more of our high quality building systems into the market. So an architect can carry on doing their thing, and it, you can supply the walls and the roof and the and the elements for that, uh, and then deliver them to site. Yes. Basically, what we do um, is we give them um, templates mm -hmm. that that can be that they can pull into their uh, 3D architectural modeling programs uh, that are um, basically can contain our building system. So they can kind of use those templates to incorporate our systems into their design. Must have been a bit of a leap of faith setting up a. Uh, factory. I mean, it's a, it's a huge facility uh, and te you know, a technological um, marvel, really. Was yeah. it? A, was it? Did you have partners on board at the outset? Did you just sort of um, have some prospective clients ready, or did you just say, "If we build it, they'll come"? <laughs> well, um, you know, we we have um, the Bensonwood brand that is. Um, you know, been very, very successful mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and and increased demand for Unity Homes that we knew was there. Right. Um, so you built that so demand internally. Yeah. So basically, we went to the, the factory knowing that those two um, initiatives were growing pretty rapidly, mm. especially uh, the Unity side. Um, but what we hadn't counted on is exactly how how efficient and effective the factory would be right and so and so you know it's kind of um, proved to ourselves uh you know that that we can produce much much more out of that factory than we anticipated when we engaged it would you have any advice for uh, us <laughs> As a country, you know, uh, or, or just as an industry, what I mean, we have this big challenge right now. We we know that the housing quality is is poor. I know the housing quality is poor, but and, and fabrication of the scale that Tectonic now supplies totally makes sense. But how do we go from zero to there? Um, yeah, with how do we make that step? Is there any way to to inch into it, or does it just take someone with some investment to just go all in with it well i'm not i'm not sure i have good advice because um what we're doing today um and this, this is not going to help you very much but 
what we're doing today, I thought I thought I was going to be able to um, affect the building industry in a good way when I started in 1973, <laughs> right. I, and, and, and I thought it might take about 10 years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, 45 years later, you know, part of the we're, we're still at it, and uh -huh. and we're doing pretty well. And yeah, I think we're having, well. uh, I think we're having a good influence, but. Are we turning the industry around? You know, I wouldn't claim that yet. Um, <laughs> so it, it it it's a tough battle. You know, part of the part of the problem, I think, with the with our industry, and I'm I'm assuming it's the same uh, in Australia, is that everything about the industry that's in place from you know how the materials are made, mm -hmm. even what sizes they're made how they're delivered into the marketplace, the skills that people have, the supply chain and how they operate, all the trades and how they operate, everything is pointed to, you know, the same method of construction that the entire industry takes for granted. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, companies like ours or people like myself and our colleagues come along and, decide to improve it or to change the course a little bit, you spend a lot of your time swimming upstream. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, yeah. that's, it's headed in one direction and, uh, and it's, it is hard to change it. But, you know, what I'm convinced of is that the change, the change happens uh, from the people who inhabit the homes and the buildings yeah. and the marketplace really needs to you know, be that entity or that place that demands uh, a better standard. Mm. And they can't demand it if they've never experienced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And, uh, and so, I, you know, that's been the process here um, yep. that, you know, you know, well, if one of my clients probably said it best, that, you know, after living in one of our homes for four or five years, one of our architects had dinner with them and, and what their comment that we repeat to ourselves is, we could no longer live in a normal house. <laughs> <laughs> we, ideally, and, and ideally, your houses will become the new norm. Um, well, th this higher standard, you know, should become a new norm. What yeah. you know we're doing is not that different than what a really skilled craftsman, you know, with with a good education and you know good understanding of engineering and building science, they could it can be done on site. You know, I'm not. This is not the only way to do it. Um, but the point is, you know, there is a standard out there, and, and you're familiar with it, the Passive House standard yeah. that you know was um, developed in Sweden and Germany. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a really high standard. It really works, and it really creates a robust kind of shelter that. Um, you know, should be a definition of how people live in the 21st century. Mm. And, uh, and lots of people around the world are experience, experiencing that. And, and I think, you know, most of those people, once they've lived in a building like that, you know, would would be very reluctant to go back to yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, a site-built, uh, flimsy, yep. you know, a stick-frame building because that's a poor standard for a human being yeah. in yeah. the 21st century. Yeah.
Hey, I better let you go because I know you're super busy. But um, you, you've mentioned Craftsman, and you've got a, an astonishing track record with your team. You've got people there who measure their longevity in the decades. Yeah. How? What's that um, overlap? And how do you retain that Craftsman mentality at the same time as being on the on the bleeding edge of of technology? Well, for one thing, they're not mutually exclusive. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, a good a good uh, crafts person, you know, can also be a, a pretty darn good computer jockey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and so, you know, a lot of this just has to do with honoring human beings. Nice. And and um, you know, getting <clears throat> you know our staff to understand how important they are their knowledge, their skills, their capabilities in the equation of, of how we're going about developing a standard for a better way to build. And, um, and so, you know, these are people who, you know, at, at one point in a day, you know, might spend some time on a computer or with a CNC machine. Mm -hmm. And in another point in a day, we'll have, you know the sharpest chisel out you have ever seen, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and and they're able to wield them all, um, you know, efficiently, effectively, uh -huh. for to the point of creating a better product for the people at the other end. Um, nice. So it's a lot about just honoring um, craftsmanship and the nobility of the building trades that we yeah. need to bring back. Yeah. Very good. Hey, look, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Ted. You've been honoured uh, around around the place. You've got a, a honorary doctorate in uh, yeah. was it uh, is it architecture or engineering? Uh, architecture. Architecture, and uh, you know, obviously, and for good reason. You're you're in demand around the world. So I I'm, I hope you do get to um, go and spread the word and uh, and inspire others to do similar sorts of, of things so thank you very much for your time really appreciate it thank you matthew ted benson there from bensonwood and also unity homes and the new advanced building system tectonics i'll put links to those but you can google um, bensonwood but also unity homes and tectonics and you'll find those check out the show notes for this episode at homestylegreen.com forward slash 178 for episode 178. You can also contact me. I'd love to get your feedback. Matthew at homestylegreen.com and let me know what you thought of the show. And also let me know if you've got any other questions or other topics, other people that you think uh, would be good to connect with on this show. That's it for me for this week. Now go make a better place to live.